If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca slash study. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash study. When King David hid in a crowded cave with 400 other men, he proved that you don't have to be alone to experience the pain of loneliness. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah turns to Psalm 142, which not only gives voice to King David's loneliness, but offers help when you experience it. Listen as David introduces today's message, God's Heavenly Cure for Loneliness. Friends, I got to tell you, this is one of my favorite psalms. I'm excited to be able to teach this psalm today because um, this psalm kind of goes from the beginning to the end. You know, there's an old adage that says every psalm of David begins with a sigh and ends with a song. That's really true in this psalm. You see David at his lowest point, uh, devastated, trying to be alone, and then joined with people who uh, would be the last people he'd invite to a party, and they show up there. And he's stuck there. And then you watch him as God helps him out of his loneliness until ultimately he is standing in that cave rejoicing and singing. And I can almost hear it in my heart as I read it. You'll love this psalm if you haven't been exposed to Psalm 142. You owe it to yourself to be here today and tomorrow as we unpack the truth of this great psalm. We've called this God's Heavenly Cure for Loneliness. We're getting to the end of the series on loneliness, just a couple more lessons. And uh, I want to remind you that there's some really great resources for this series, which would be an excellent study for you if you have a small group. And the small group curriculum would involve you in getting a set of the CDs for yourself as the facilitator and then getting study guides for everybody in your group. And these are beautiful study guides. There are 140 pages, perf-bound beautifully typeset and wonderfully uh, organized, and just the perfect thing as a way for you to study the Word of God and study what the Bible says about loneliness. Take advantage of this while this is being talked about and order the material for your small group, for yourself, and then be sure you get the book that we're making available during the month, God Has Not Forgotten You. That's the name of the book, and it's yours for the asking when you send a gift to Turning Point today. Well, I want you to join me now as we look at the 142nd Psalm and God's heavenly cure for loneliness. Here is a story of a preacher who, after 18 years of ministry, quit and went into the business world lonely, discouraged, and defeated. No, I don't know him, and I've never met him, but he could be any number of people that I have met. He could be one or two of you in your situation. And if we could, we could put him back into the time of the Psalms and he would fit perfectly. For he is the modern day expression of the Psalmist words. Listen to his explanation of what happened to him after 18 years of serving God. He said, I realized those years had made me look and feel 10 years older than I was. 
I have spent those years holding people's hands, smoothing out countless interpersonal battles, working through church struggles, preaching how many hundreds of sermons, baptizing people, marrying them, burying them. As the church grew, so did the traffic to my office. I was not surprised at this, he wrote, nor was I unaware of my calling, the demands I had to face in serving. But in all that time, I could not find a confidant, not even my wife, because most of the human problems I dealt with were confidential. I could not find someone who could simply listen and pray with me. While I struggled to find new and fresh sermon material, time for my own relaxed devotional life disappeared. When the Church reached 1,200 members from the first 300, it was a sign of the great blessing of God upon my work. I accepted that and I thanked God for it, but at the same time I found myself even more lonely as the demands of my time tripled. My family was growing up and away from me. When I saw my children graduate from high school and then college, I realized I hardly knew them. I knew then I had to do something, though I was a little late. I concluded I could not abide the lonely road any longer. As much as I sensed I was leaving an arena with its joys and triumphs as well as its sorrows and tensions, I knew I had to find some area of work where I could establish normal human relationships. Maybe, he wrote, I was just not cut out to be a leader after all. Those are sad words. And if I were preaching to preachers, every one of your heads would be bobbing up and down. But the words are not much different than the words we have read from Psalm 142. They're the words of a lonely person who cries out in his loneliness for help. The 142nd Psalm is a beautiful presentation of the cycle of discouragement through which every person goes at one time or another in his life. You will notice as you look at the top of the psalm, the heading calls it a Moschiel psalm. Bible scholars are not exactly sure what that term means. It is some kind of Hebrew annotation to describe how the psalm is to be applied in the Hebrew worship. If we had time, we would list for you the 14 psalms that have that heading over it. That is not the important thing in the superscription over the psalm. The important thing is the phrase which sets the psalm in its historical perspective. For right next to the word maskil, there is this phrase, a prayer when David was in the cave. Now it's interesting to try to figure out where this fits in the life of David. For if we can figure out where David is when he prays this prayer, we can understand more of that which is going on in his life, which triggered these words from his heart and from his lips. As you go back into history, you discover that there are two caves in the life of David which are mentioned at one time or another in his experience. First of all, in 1 Samuel 24, there's a reference to the cave of Engedi. And though you may not recognize that name, I'm sure you know if I tell you that there is something special that happened there. That was the cave where David cut off a piece of Saul's skirt without Saul knowing about it. You remember that story. But as we try to take the events of the psalm as David describes it and the events of what happened in the cave of En they don't mesh. They don't fit. And so 
Most scholars do not believe that this psalm comes out of that experience. However, there is another cave that is mentioned in the life of David called the Cave of Adullam. And I'd like for you to turn with me back to the book of 1 Samuel and chapter 22, where we have the mention of David's involvement with this cave. And it will help us to look at that so that we can put this psalm in its perspective and understand it better. Now, the greater context of 1 Samuel 22 is that David is running away from Saul. Saul's trying to kill him. He's jealous. He's angry. He's mad. He sees David as his arch rival. He's chased him all over the countryside, and he's after his head. Finally, we read in 1 Samuel 22 these words. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave, the cave of Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him, and everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. David is running from Saul. He now finds a place of refuge and look at the description of the people who come to be his cohorts and his comforters. Everyone who is distressed, everyone who is in debt, and everyone who is discontented. 400 strong of those people come to gather themselves around David as he's running away from Saul. And in the midst of that experience, in the cave of Adullam, David writes the words that are given to us in the 142nd Psalm. It seems rather strange that he describes his loneliness until we understand the kind of people who are around him. But it isn't hard to figure out how the kind of people who are described in 1 Samuel 22 would make a man of David's caliber feel rather lonely when he was thrown in among them. They certainly weren't the kind of people he could go to and confide in. They weren't any comfort to him. And here he is, a refuge, a refugee from the wrath of the most powerful man in the land, and he's holed up with the 400 men described in 1 Samuel 22. And so now he sits down to write, and he writes the words which we've just read, and he describes how he feels. And I'm so grateful that he has done that because it makes me feel better to read how David felt in that situation. He's very descriptive. He goes into great detail to describe the emotional feelings of being alone. I've read tons of literature on loneliness in preparation for these messages. I haven't read anything that comes close to the beauty of the language and the emotional overtones of David's description of what he felt. Let's trace through the experience of this man and his emotions. The first thing he says in verse 3 is that he is disoriented. He is disoriented. He says, my spirit was overwhelmed within me. Like some fierce flood has rushed down upon him and he can barely stand up against its might. Literally, what the phrase means is this, that his spirit is muffled upon him. When his way and his spirit is so wrapped up in trouble and gloom, his spirit is muffled within him. And it's a very picturesque phrase of his spirit trying to reach out and express himself. But even that is muffled and is overwhelmed. He's lost his way. He can't figure out what to do. He's totally disoriented. His powers of judgment are gone. And there he is. He goes on to say that not only is he disoriented, but he's deserted. 
Notice verse 4. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man. Refuge failed me in these lonely words. No man cared for my soul. Total abandonment, rejection, isolation, hunted by Saul, abandoned by his friends, surrounded by the offscurring of the world. David was alone. Disoriented and deserted, he goes on to say that the result of those two things in his life caused depression. He was depressed. Verse 6, I am brought very low. Literally, it means to go into a valley experience emotionally, to be brought down to the lowest ebb of human life. He now turns his thoughts of disorientation and desertion inward. And it begins to make an impact upon his own spirit, upon his own soul. He is depressed. All of his hope is gone. All of his joy is gone. He can't think about anything positive in the future. He is at the lowest point in his life. In the language of today, he has bottomed out. <laughs> and he has no hope for the future. Listen to the words of defeat in verse 6. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. He's defeated. It's one thing to be depressed and to have some hope that one day things are going to get better. But David is down at his lowest point and he sees no hope of it improving. He sees around him that all of those who are against him are stronger than he is. He realizes that he does not have the strength in his little band of men to go out after those who are after him. He feels the walls closing in around him and there is no way to escape. Defeat is just around the corner, and he describes it in terms of doom. He says, I am imprisoned, and there is no way out. Those are picturesque words, aren't they? What causes a man to be like that? You know that there are any number of things that can cause that to happen. It might be that those emotions come in upon a man who is serving God in some place of leadership and lonely servanthood isolates him from every other person because of his position. It may be that those kind of emotions are felt by a single person. Oh, how many of you who are single have come to say to me, Pastor, amen. I know what you are talking about. I understand that. It is a lonely world. Maybe those emotions can be felt by a person who is growing old and seems to be growing right out of his experience and memories and opportunities with those around him. Those kind of emotions are often felt by those who suffer and who are sick. Sometimes surviving a spouse that you have lived with for many years brings those feelings. Alienation from God, sometimes breaking up with somebody that you love, sometimes being a stranger in a new country or in a new city. Sometimes those feelings come because we are separated from our parents and from our loved ones. All of these emotions David describes are emotions that we have felt at one time or another, perhaps not at that level. But I have good news for you. David doesn't just tell us what it felt like. He gives us a clue as to how to deal with it. 
And this is the most important good news of the whole series, because what I'm going to share with you in the next few moments is a formula that's found in this psalm that, in my estimation, is the best way to deal with depression and loneliness I have ever found in the Word of God. Some of what I may say is going to surprise you, because it's gut-level honest. And yet it is not more honest than the words of David. So listen carefully, and don't forget to try what God tells you to do with this information. I watch David in the midst of his lonely experience. I see him with all of these emotions being expressed, and I ask myself, what will he do? And he tells me in the words that he has written. The first thing that I notice is that he verbalized. He verbalized. That's step number one. Notice how carefully the Scripture records the fact that David cried unto the Lord. Verse 1, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. Verse 2, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. Verse 3, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then knewest my path in the way wherein I walked. Have they secretly laid a snare for me? Verse 5, I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge. Verse 7, Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. Over and over again, David says, I cried unto thee. I expressed how I felt unto thee. He verbalized his problem. Now that may seem like a very trite thing to say from a psalm, but let me tell you that the first step toward healing from a lonely heart is to be able to express what you feel to the God in heaven who is your maker. To be able to come honestly to God and say, Lord, these are the feelings within me. I'm crying unto you. I'm opening my heart to you verbally. This is what I feel like. This is where I am. Our prayers are so benign. We come to God with our pious platitudes and we do all of our praying on the surface while down in here we're hurting desperately. And somehow the best friend we have in the world, the one who has created us and redeemed us, has never yet heard the cry of our heart out of the despair of our situation. One of the things that David teaches me is this, that it's all right to tell God what you feel. That's the beginning. That's the start. That's how a friend should be free to talk with a friend. There's a little book of writings called The Psalms of My Life, written by a man who expresses how he feels. And then this little section of the writing, he tells about an experience where he is away from home and away from his loved ones, and he's staying in a motel, and he writes this little prayer, which is the prayer he prayed to God. And I think he's captured what I'm talking about. This is what he wrote. He said, Dear God, I am alone tonight, all alone. A thousand miles from home, there's no one here who knows my name except the clerk, and he spelled it wrong. There's no one to eat dinner with, no one to laugh at my jokes, no one to listen to my gripes, no one to be happy with me about what happened today and to say that's great. No one cares. There's just this lousy bed and the slush in the streets outside between the buildings. I feel sorry for myself, and I have plenty good reason to. Maybe I ought to say I'm on top of it. Praise the Lord. Things are great. But they're not. Tonight it's all gray slush. And we say, should a man ever talk to his God like that? Don't you think God in heaven knows that that's what you feel? Do you think it's a surprise to him? 
And don't you think that your Father in heaven is a friend who is close enough to you and who cares enough about you that he's willing for you to come and cry out of the despair and loneliness of your soul and verbalize what you feel? I remember the first time I had the courage, verbally, audibly, to tell God, Lord, I really don't feel like talking to you today. I really don't. I want to feel that way, and I know I should feel that way, but Lord, in my spirit and in my heart, I just don't feel like talking to you today. But you know, that's the beginning place. You start from there. And God can take you from where you are to where you need to be. Now, the second thing you do is this. You visualize. Listen to what David said. Verse 2, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. David didn't even just describe how he felt. He painted God a picture. He said, Lord, let me lay this thing out for you. This is where I am. You see these sorry people you sent down here to help me? The distressed, the debtors, the discontented. These are the folks that are... And he paints the whole sordid mess for God. He just paints it and lays it out in front of him. He said, take a look at this, God. Look at this. David said, I poured out my complaint before God. He let him see the whole thing. That was not only good for God, that was good for David. Now, the thing that David teaches us, not only here but in his other writings, is that it's all right to visualize your problem as long as you keep it in perspective. Do you remember when the people of Israel were at Kadesh Barnea? And they all went over there to look at the promised land, and they all came back, and they all painted a picture, remember? And the majority reporters came back and they painted a picture of the giants and all of the problems over in the land. And they painted this whole picture. And what did they say? They said, hey, we're in trouble. Those people over there are big. I mean, they're like giants. And what was the rest of it? We're like what? Grasshoppers. So the picture they painted was the picture of them and us in the same frame. And then Joshua and Caleb, they went to and they came back and they got their paintbrushes out and they painted the same thing. Did they forget the giants? No, they painted the giants. But they didn't paint us. They painted God, didn't they? They painted the giants and God and they put them in the big... You know what a difference that made? That's why they could vote for the project instead of against it. Because in the frame where their picture was were the giants and God instead of the giants and us. You know, that's what we do so often. We paint our problems and we put us in the frame with them instead of God. What a difference God makes in any painting. Verbalize it. Visualize it. Now here's step number three. Recognize. Verse three. Recognize that God already knows what you're telling him. That's so neat. Verse three. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, notice this, thou knewest my path. You know, sometimes we tell God all of these things like we want him to find out. He already knows. Sometimes we come to him so tentatively, Lord, I'm not sure I should tell you this. He already knows. <laughs> Amen. Hey, this is a good place for us to put our bookmark for today. We'll be back tomorrow with a final lesson from Psalm 142 in this series of messages on loneliness. Um, every day I've been telling you a little bit about this book, God Has Not Forgotten You.
and uh, it has um, a lot of information in it to encourage and lift up your heart. It's 190 pages. It's a beautiful hardcover gift book. It's not released into the stores until a little bit later, published by Thomas Nelson. It just came out. We just got our shipment, and we have one for you. If you will help us during the month of August with a gift, just send a gift to Turning Point. Make it out to Turning Point. It's tax deductible. And we want to say thank you for your gift by sending you this resource that will bless your life and encourage your heart, and you'll want to share it with others. As I mentioned before, it's a book table gift. You can leave it on the book table in your home and somebody will ask you about it. They won't be able not to pick it up because it's so beautiful. God has not forgotten you. He is with you even in uncertain times. That's the name of the book and it's yours for the asking when you send a gift to Turning Point today. Don't forget also we're coming to your area if you live in Jacksonville, Tampa, Houston, or Fort Worth. Tampa, Florida, the Yingling Center on October the 5th, October the 7th in Jacksonville, Florida at the Vistar Veterans Memorial Arena, October 26th in Houston, Texas at the Berry Center, October 28th in Fort Worth, Texas at the Dickies Arena. Tickets are available at davidjeremiah.org tour. Tickets are free, but you must have them. Go there, order your tickets. They'll be emailed to you. You'll have them in plenty of time to join us for one of these events. Look forward to seeing you then. Hope you'll join us tomorrow. Have a good day. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's current series, Overcoming Loneliness, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's reassuring new book, God Has Not Forgotten You, a comforting reminder that God is working all things together for your good. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Get all the details when you visit our website at davidjeremiah.org radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we conclude the series Overcoming Loneliness here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Drawing on more than 40 years of study by Dr. David Jeremiah. Take your personal Bible study deeper with unique introductions to each book of the Bible. 55 full-page articles exploring the essential themes of the Christian life. 8,000 study notes with insightful and practical content. An extensive cross-reference system and helpful sidebars that extend to topics beyond the study notes. You can also take advantage of online resources available to you at jeremiahstudybible.com. Great for individual or small group studies, this Bible is available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print with several cover options. For more information or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. Stretching the truth is like stretching a rubber band. If you stretch the truth, it's likely to snap back and hurt you. Even if we stretch the truth just a little by exaggerating, we get hurt. 
But if we stretch the truth too far and actually tell a lie, that can be painful indeed. An Old Testament proverb says, A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies will not escape. All the more reason to take the advice of the book of James and be slow to speak, to make sure we're telling the truth and nothing but the truth. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover how God speaks the truth on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.